ICA presents Hello, I'm Ellen Wartella, and welcome to this episode of the Architects of Communication Scholarship podcast series, a production of ICA Podcast Network. Today, our architect is Francis Nimja. Francis Nimja holds a BA and an MA from the University of Yaoundé in Cameroon and a PhD from the University of Leicester. He joined the University of Cape Town in August 2009 as Professor of Social Anthropology from the Council for the Development of Social Science Research in Africa, where he served as Head of Publications from 2003 to 2009. He has taught sociology, anthropology, and communication studies at universities in Cameroon and Botswana, and has researched and written extensively on Cameroon and Botswana, where he was awarded the Senior Arts Researcher of the Year Prize for 2003. He is a fellow of the Cameroon Academy of Sciences, a fellow of the African Academy of Science, a fellow of the Academy of Science of South Africa, chair of the board of Lango Research and Publishing Center in Cameroon, and was chair of the editorial board of the South African Human Sciences Research Council. His current research interests include incompleteness, mobility, encounters, belonging, citizenship, and conviviality. Today, he will be in conversation with Herman Wasserman. Herman Wasserman is professor of media studies at the University of Cape Town, South Africa. And here is Herman. I am delighted today to be speaking to Francis Nyamjo, an esteemed scholar of media, culture, and communication in Africa, a colleague here at the University of Cape Town, where he's a professor of social anthropology and an old friend. Francis and I met when he was head of publications at the Council for the Development of Social Science Research in Africa, or CADESRIA, in Dakar, Senegal, and I've been following his inspirational work with great interest ever since. Francis's training and disciplinary location in anthropology and sociology inform his study of media and communication from the perspective of the everyday lived experiences of Africans, steeped in the knowledge of their social and economic conditions, which differ vastly from the global north. Francis himself also has the gift of creativity and imagination. Not only does his academic writing always display a characteristic flair, but he has also published several novels which complement his scholarly production. And in some ways, today's discussion follows on an earlier interview I did with him in 2009, which was published in the journal Journalism Studies. And I'm really excited to continue our conversation. So good afternoon, Francis. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well. Herman is good to connect. Um, Francis, I'm really happy to be talking to you again about your work. Uh, you have been one of the most influential voices in communication scholarship on the continent. Um, your influence stretches far beyond uh, certainly South Africa and your native Cameroon um, to the rest of the continent, but also internationally. And to my mind, that certainly qualifies you as one of the architects of communication scholarship on the continent. So I'd like to reflect a bit or ask you to reflect on the journey that brought you to this point. Um, so maybe let's start at the beginning. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up, your background and how that influenced your educational trajectory and later work? Uh, thanks very much for such a generous introduction, Herman. Uh, I uh, grew up in, in the Cameroon grass fields, which currently is at the heart of the what you call the Anglophone uh, crisis with the Cameroonian state. 
I went to a secondary school called Sacred Heart College, which at the time was headed by the Marist Brothers uh, from, from Scotland. Marist Brothers of the Virgin Mary from Scotland. I went to the university, which at the time was the only university in the country since the 1960s to the 1980s. Today, there are many more universities. I also went to the University of Leicester, where one of the first centers for media studies in the UK was established. I have worked in Cameroon, in universities in Cameroon, in Botswana. I am currently at the University of Cape Town here in South Africa. I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a bit more about how you think that varied background influenced your work, your view of communication scholarship, but also maybe if there are specific mentors that stand out that have influenced your work in particular. I was uh, fortunate uh, uh, that in 1985, uh, Cameroon joined the, the countries uh, that uh, initiated uh, a national television uh, service. And at the time, they wanted some uh, researchers uh, to study the social uh, relationship between television and wider communities. So I had a scholarship uh, from the Cameroonian government that took me to Leicester, the Center for Mass Communication Research, uh, the, and uh, where I did my PhD uh, uh, from 1986 to 19, graduating in July 1990. And the title of, of the PhD was uh, Broadcasting for Nation Building in Cameroon, uh, Development and Constraints. And, and this thesis was supervised by uh, James uh, Halloran, uh, who served as president uh, of, of uh, AIMCR for quite some time. I wouldn't call uh, it mentors as such, uh, but rather those whose ideas and with whom conversations over the years have inspired and deepened my sense of communication and how we should go about studying it as a process. So in that regard, uh, I would say my professor, whom I just mentioned, James Halloran, uh, and others from the Center for Communication Research at uh, Leicester, who were uh, Peter Golden, uh, Paul Hartman, uh, Olga Linne, uh, Anders Hansen, and my colleagues in, uh, who were students, fellow students at the time, such as uh, uh, Pradeep uh, Thomas, uh, Musa Mohammed, uh, Paul Martin, uh, Ziki uh, Wawero, uh, and, and many others uh, were equally influential. Uh, other professors of sociology and anthropology back in Cameroon, uh, such as Bernard Fonlon, uh, Jean-Marc Ella, Jean-Pierre Varnier, and others like uh, Mike Rowlands at uh, University College London have all helped in, in shaping my conversations in the field of communication. But there are more uh, African uh, communication scholars, such as Frank Ogwaja, Francis Kasoma, uh, Temba uh, Masilela, uh, Polly Maclean, Cheryl uh, Rene Gush, uh, Francis Wete, uh, Charles uh, Okibo, uh, Winston Mano, Viola Milton, Eda Tua, uh, Cecil Blake, uh, Kwame Boafo, Luke Oka Oche, uh, 
uh, Audrey Gadzepo, uh, Peter Ngoso, Levi Obio Diofo, Agi Bahi, Gina Traore, uh, Hugh Kone, Arnold De Beer, uh, Ruth Tomasali, uh, Kian Tomasali, your humble self, Herman, and others of, 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 of the various African scholarly associations and networks uh, to which I have belonged, such as the African Council for Communication Education, SACOM, Highway Africa, and Cordesria. Last but not least, uh, my mother and aunties and the communities of the two kingdoms uh, in the Bamenda grass fields of Cameroon where I grew up. I think they have all uh, been part of uh, the mentoring process if you insist on mentorship, but I would rather talk in terms of conversation partners. Thank you. I think the, the, maybe the Western or idea from the Global North, if you want to use those terms, often is that there are certain leading lights, certain... Um, eminent scholars that that shape the field, um, and and you know that's the way that we also view you. But I mean the way that you have now turned it around and said there's this big community of people um, that scholarship is, if I understand you correctly, almost this long conversation that starts you know with your aunties and your mother and then continues. Um, it's on the one hand a very generous way of 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 looking at at the process, but at the same time it it makes me think that it brings to mind the concept that has been central to your scholarship, namely conviviality. And I was wondering if you could maybe say something about the role or the, the place of that notion of conviviality and community in the way that you've studied communication over the years. Yes. I would say that, uh, as you noted, uh, uh, amongst those I, I named are the storytellers whom I grew up with, listening to and reading. Over and above my mother and aunties, uh, uh, they proliferate throughout Cameroon and Africa, and, and they make serious business of speaking and storytelling. Uh, they use proverbs and delight in indirections not to hurt feelings. Uh, words are potent and they have to uh, be deployed with utmost care. Amongst them are authors uh, such as uh, Chinu Achebe, uh, the novelist, uh, famous for his novels such as Things Fall Apart uh, and Arrow of God. He famously uh, describes proverbs as the palm oil with which words are eaten. Uh, I have found his proverb, one of his proverbs, the world is like a dancing masquerade. If you desire to see it well, you cannot afford to stand in one place. Uh, which very useful for thinking communication as a dynamic process in which meaning is constantly renegotiating with changing context. I see communication as a process that is uh, predicated around recognizing and providing for incompleteness as a universal attribute of being. And with such uh, incompleteness, there's a necessity for mobility to activate oneself through encounters with others. So for me, my study of communication is underpinned by the idea of incompleteness and mobility and conviviality. I'm wondering also that the role of technology in African societies and communication has also been something that's been um, throughout your work. And, and you've done... Um, interesting work, for instance, on the mobile phone and, and the way that um, those technologies feature in, in African societies. But maybe if you could reflect on, on those aspects of technology and subjectivity and creativity and how that 
plays out in the African yeah. context? I think of technologies basically as uh, activators that make our sociality possible, that extend us as incomplete beings. And because we want uh, to be able to make the social possible, we use technologies as mechanisms or tools for extending ourselves beyond uh, the limitations of our incompleteness to cultivate uh, socialities. So uh, I am I'm particularly interested in communication in that sense as what enables us to be mobile, what mobilizes us, and how we in that mobility encounters others, and uh, how are we productive, and how are we able to reproduce uh, similarities and differences in those encounters? And how do we position ourselves in relation to them? It is that process that brings me into a conversation with communication studies. I've done this through uh, my study on, on cell phones, uh, my studies on other technologies that uh, are used, uh, either in indigenous technologies within Africa or modern technologies coming into conversation with such uh, cultures and practices of being and belonging to a shared community. I was wondering if, if these ideas of yours of Conviviality, um, sociality, incompleteness, uh, what do those offer us and how do they help us think about communication maybe in ways that uh, are still marginalized in the, in, in the global uh, yeah. study of communication? Uh, what my research has shown is that uh, when we use incompleteness uh, uh, and mobility as universals and not as something some people have, or, and while others do not. And uh, we are able to uh, approach society and societal challenges uh, from a particular vantage point as communication scholars. For, uh, it provides uh, uh, for understanding uh, uh, for the messiness of being human through inter interconnections and interdependencies and in a manner that would disabuse scholarship of binary oppositions or dichotomies. Uh, it, when we use uh, incompleteness and conviviality as a framework for addressing uh, 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 those things, we can also use it for addressing the challenges posed uh, by elitism and populism. And that's something I did recently when I focused on, on Donald Trump and uh, uh, populism and citizenship using the framework of incompleteness. I'd like to turn to what you see as important questions for communication scholars in the next decade. And also in organizations like the ICA, we uh, increasingly uh, hear this idea of de-Westernization, decolonizing being brought to the fore. And, uh, you know, many of us would say this is high time. Um, so this is maybe a bit of a leading question, but in your mind, is this challenge of decolonization uh, still one of the big intellectual challenges for communication scholars? Uh, are there other big challenges? And if so, how do you think we should go about to tackle those, those challenges? Absolutely. Decolonization remains uh, a challenge. There's a lot of talk about it, but one often finds oneself asking for more indicators of decolonization, how to go about it 
in practical terms, in terms of indicators to do. And my argument is that it is very easy to mistake decolonization for rupture. If it was rupture, then require total break with anything that came with colonialism. That means a total break, almost like unraveling uh, to a point where you think this is where I presume myself to have been before I was contaminated by colonialism. But I think most of the time, what it actually filters through and is not adequately stated is pursuing decolonization as pointing to uh, the incompleteness in what passes for knowledge, in what passes for theories and practices of knowledge production, and reminding us in the academy to reach out and embrace other epistemic moods of meaning-making and knowledge production. And I think there are two other challenges. The challenge of citizenship and belonging as an inclusive process uh, predicated on the universality of incompleteness as mobility and mobility as indicated. And the challenge of promoting and popularizing what I called earlier Ubuntu scholarship or better still convivial scholarship as an antidote uh, to the scholarship by analogy and mimicry. So if I were to ask you that what your research has shown you about the challenges and opportunities where African communication scholarship can make a major contribution to understanding these challenges that you've just mentioned, what can African scholars of communication like yourself um, bring to, to enlighten these broader uh, challenges and questions that we, we grapple with in the field? If what my peers locally and globally say is anything to go by, uh, I would say they particularly appreciate my focus on incompleteness and conviviality as a productive response to the need to make room for African experience in theories, methodology, and research practice in communication scholarship. Uh, how to think about and research social processes in Africa as communicative processes is a complex question by virtue of the hierarchies of which Africans and Africa are a part, locally and globally. Africans have, in my research, often defied essentialist and exclusionary uh, identity claims as uninformed by real-life experiences of how people as incomplete, mobile, social, political and economic beings negotiate and navigate creatively, appropriate the various uh, geographies, cultures, technologies, and popular uh, frontier ideas of reality in Africa to be seen and studied as socially, politically, and historically constructed realities and as permanent works in progress. It recognizes the reality of debt and indebtedness as integral to life and sociality and invites us as communication scholars to disabuse ourselves of a winner-takes-all approach. It is good to remind ourselves that there is always something old in something new and that nothing is too used to be used. And finally, when normative theories constructed in one context take upon themselves 
an export component without critically providing for the local and global interconnecting hierarchies that structure power relations on equal encounters and on equal exchanges. The result is detrimental both to communication scholarship as a social science and to human dignity. My approach to communication scholarship privileges description and understanding over prescription and theology. In this regard, my scholarship transcends academia to the extent that it, it is communicated not only as scholarly publications, but also via, as you mentioned earlier, uh, novels, uh, some of which uh, have been translated into languages as French and Korean. And, and some of which had, have been the subject of, of, of doctoral thesis. And I want to ask a very practical uh, question, maybe in terms of your own work and your own uh, current work and, and, and future work. And maybe you can just tell us briefly about what you're working on at the moment. If you're an architect that sees the building as uh, never quite being completed, you know, like those old cathedrals that you build and that you never see the end of, uh, where, uh, in, what are you building at the moment and, and what are you hoping to, to build in the, in the next no, the, uh, years to come? Because our traditions of presence was almost like the online was a complement and a disposable complement yeah, to the extent possible. But now what COVID has done is to impose it as two sides of the same coin of being human. And you notice again the element of incompleteness or the element that completeness is never really possible. Being completely offline or being completely online, and it need not be. Uh, I pointed to social media as a fantasy space. It would be interesting to see how the place of truth in that fantasy space and what opportunities it provides and what opportunisms it provides for the media, broadly speaking, as well as for those who go fishing for opportunities in the media using these technologies. So I'm beginning to think of uh, how more seriously about social media, online possibility, uh, realities as a fantasy space worth contemplating and worth inviting for dinner every now and again. Thank you. With that, uh, Francis, I would like to thank you very much for your time uh, today, but also like to thank you on behalf of the communication scholars worldwide, this big community, uh, this big convivial group of people that you listed, all of us that are interested in media and communications research in and about Africa and the world, uh, really would like to thank you as an architect of communication scholarship for the really spacious and inspiring intellectual home that you've helped design for us. I look forward to meeting you again in either in this fantasy space or maybe in something more prosaic in, in the everyday life. I wish you all the best for keep inspiring us in, in the future. This episode of Architects of Communication Scholarship podcast series is presented by the International Communication Association Podcast Network and is sponsored by the School of Communication at Hong Kong Baptist University. This episode was produced by Daniel Christian and Troy Cruz. Our executive producer is Aldo Diaz Caballero. Our production consultant is Nick Song. 
The theme music is by Humans Win. For more information about our participants on this episode, as well as our sponsor, be sure to check the episode description. Thanks for listening.